you're using the Bible in the pew, this is on page 46, uh, or you can turn there, click there. Oh, did I put the wrong PowerPoint in? I did. Uh, oops. Can you go to the next slide, Isaac? I mean, uh, Alexander? Go to the next one. No, that's the right one. Go back. Okay, sorry. I just didn't change that first slide. I apologize. <laughs> that's wrong. We're not looking at that passage. We're looking at uh, starting in 223. That scared me for a minute. That's really good that it is working. Um, page 46. Off to a great start. Happy Father's Day. Um, so we are in the middle of this series um, in the book of Exodus, this epic book of the Old Testament uh, where God rescues his people from Egypt, establishes as a nation, reveals himself to them, and really the theme of this that we're looking at is what does it mean to know God, to know who he is. Uh, a lot of times in our world today, we get distortions about the reality of who God is and what he's like, what he, how he interacts with people, what his character is. And these stories in Exodus, they reveal the reality of who God is. Um, they show us the reality of what he's like, what he does, and then in turn, that information allows us to follow him and live for him in the manner that he wants us to. Um, and so really the idea is how do we know God? And when I, when I think about what we're going to look at today, and today being Father's Day, there's a story that I remember about my dad that fits perfectly uh, within this message. I was a lot younger, uh, probably around seven or eight. My sister would have been probably around three or four at the time. And we were at a beach. Um, I don't remember exactly which one. It was probably Indiana Dunes or something like that. But I remember we were at the beach and we were in the water, and I was probably up to here, which means I was my, the water was probably up to my dad's waist, because, again, I'm seven or eight at the time. And I remember I was with my dad, and for whatever reason, we looked to our side, and we saw my younger sister, who was three or four, like this, going down for the last count. She had come out. No, I don't know how it happened, but she came out. We didn't know that she had come out, but she came out to be with dad and her brother. We didn't know that that had happened, and she had made her way pretty far out, but she didn't get all the way to us. And she was going down. And my and literally going under. And my dad immediately reacted. I just saw him. I think the Superman like music was playing in the background. And he dove for her. Again, for me, it feels like a mile and a half he's swimming to her. Again, I'm seven or eight, so it was probably like 15 feet. But he jumps over to her, gets her out of the water. There's sun shining and angels screaming. And and she's going hysterical, but he's like, You're okay, you're okay, you're okay. And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, my dad just rescued my sister from dying in the water. He heard her. Don't know how he knew that she was there, but we looked over, saw her, and responded. That's what today's message is about. If we look at all these different stories, we're trying to focus in on one thing that they reveal about who God is. Last week it was God is the God who still is working. He is always working. He never stops. He never takes a break. Today's theme, when we think about the reality of who God is, is that he is a God who hears, and he is a God who responds by calling us. He rescues, but some of the times the ways he rescues is different than what we would expect. He hears us, and he calls. So before we get into this, this next part of the story, I want to pray and ask that God would speak to us through his word. God, we do come before you as a church family, and we thank you for the fact that we can be in your midst, that we can worship you, that we can hear from you, that we can be with, together with you, God. We pray that you would speak through your word this morning. God, that uh, you would be the one that you would speak through me, through your word, that you would be the one penetrating hearts, penetrating minds, encouraging us, challenging us. As we go through these stories, God, I pray that you would open up our hearts and minds to hear from you, to learn your word, to learn about you. 
and that that would be transformative. Spirit, I pray that you would move in this place for people at home, that you would move uh, wherever people are listening, and that you would just bless us with your presence. In your name we pray, amen. You know, I, I was going through all the Father's Day stuff, and I, was, I didn't say, I don't, know, I don't know if they're watching, but my stepdad, I want to say happy Father's Day to him, and my dad, happy Father's Day to him, and my children, who I'm parenting teenagers, so they're still in bed, but I love them dearly. Um, so just wanted to throw the family shout-outs there as well. Um, so last week, we looked at chapters 1 and 2 of Exodus, and we looked at the fact that the Hebrews that had gone from, and Jacob and his family who had come to Egypt, that this little group of 70 grew into this, the beginnings of this huge group of people, this little nation, and the Egyptians and the Pharaoh especially were feeling threatened by this and started causing them to suffer, being oppressed, making them work as slaves and build the families of Egypt. And we talked about the fact that even through the midst of this, God is still working and God knows what we're going through and he's still working even in the midst of our difficulties. We pick up the chapter, we're going to pick it up at the end of chapter 2 and really at the, as chapter 2 goes along, we're introduced to Moses uh, we saw him at the end of last week as a little baby who was rescued by Pharaoh's daughter. At the end of chapter 2, he grows up, um, he has some trouble in Egypt, and he runs away from Egypt um, into another area. We're going to pick the story up, kind of zooming away from Moses and looking at the, the nation of Israel as a whole to get this first thing about God, is that God hears us. We can cry out to him. God hears us. We can cry out to him. It says in Exodus 2, 23, During those many days the king of Egypt died, and the people of Israel groaned because of their slavery and cried out for help. Their cry for rescue from slavery came up to God. He said things haven't gotten any better. They're still in slavery. They're still being oppressed. They're still being worked ruthlessly. Their situ if anything, their situation is worse. The Pharaoh who had ignored Joseph and had begun all of this is dead, but the new one that's come on is just as bad and is treating them just as horribly. Um, we're told that the Hebrews groaned, that they groaned. Uh, when I was 16 years old, one of my really good friends died in a, a scooter accident. He got hit by a van and um, he lived for another week, but then uh, we thought he was getting better and then he died. Um, 16 years, I mean, it was long, 30 something years ago, but it's still, that was very traumatic for, as for, for me as a 16 year old. But as traumatic as it was for me, I will never for the rest of my life forget leaving the funeral so that the family could be, say goodbye to Tommy on their own and the wail that came out of his mom as I was leaving. When I hear that the Hebrews groaned, that's the picture I have in my mind. This crying out, this wailing of despair, this wailing because of my situation, this, this sound of just grave oppression and despair and sadness because of what they're going through. It's a mourning that things are not as it should be. They groaned and it says that they cried out. An urgent prayer, a desperate pouring out of incredible despair. And really, it's interesting when you think about it that everything that we know, the story of the Exodus, this big rescue, it came, it began, it started because of a prayer of lament for re rescue. They were crying out to the only one who could do something about their situation. And the Bible invites us to cry out like this. It says in Psalm 28, Hear the voice of my pleas for mercy. 
when I cry out to you for help, when I lift up my hands toward your most holy sanctuary. In Psalm 130, out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive to my cry for mercy. Not only the Israelites, but throughout Scripture, we see people crying out to God. And the text says here at the end of Exodus chapter 2 that God heard them. It says in verse 24, God heard their groaning and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and with Jacob. God saw the people of Israel and God knew. There's four really important verbs that are used here to talk about what God does and how God responds to their groaning and to their crying out. The first two is that he heard and he remembered. God heard and remembered. This is not the all-knowing God forgetting something. It's, this is a recollection that introduces action. God has said, I've told them that I'm going to do something, and I'm going to do it. This is God being faithful to his promise. The promise that he gave to Abram back in chapter 15 of Genesis. It says, the Lord said to Abraham, know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a country not their own. And they will be enslaved and mistreated 400 years. But I will punish the nation that they serve as slaves. And afterward, they will come out with great oppression. God told them they're going to go through this, but I'm going to rescue them through this. And so he is saying he's heard and remembered. He's going to do what he said he was going to do. He's going to be faithful to his promise. The Israelites' deliverance is certain. He is a God who is faithful to his promises. He heard and remembered, and then it says that he saw and he knew. He saw and he knew. Now, this isn't just merely awareness of facts. The language here is the epitome of resonating with somebody. God is fully, fully experiencing the emotions. He is understanding. This, this kills the idea that God is one of disassociation or indifference alienation or estrangement. No, see, the fact that God sees and the fact that God knows means that he is a God of intimacy and concern and relatedness. He is a God who takes initiative, action, and has compassion. So he is a God who hears and remembers, who sees and knows. And it gives us an important truth to start today off with. We have to allow our hearts to cry out to God. We can cry out to God with everything that we're going through in life, whether it's the best of times or the worst of times, the highest mountain or the lowest, most difficult valley. We can cry out to God with everything. And we do not cry out enough. Typically, like a movie set with fake buildings that give a front, but there's really nothing there, there's something different behind it, we put up a front to others and we put up a front to God. We edit our words to sound correct. We act strong to hide weakness. But tears are meant to flow, not to be stored up. Grief is meant to come out, not to be hoarded. Frustration should be vented, not collected. God wants you to bring all of it to him. And he is the same God to us that he was to them. He hears and he will respond. With us, he will be as faithful to his promises as he was to them. He wants you to cry out to him. And so what's the thing inside that you've been holding in? What's the thing that you haven't let him know? And again, it, maybe it's you're in the worst of seasons right now. 
but you haven't brought that to him. Maybe life is okay, but even in the midst of this, those daily frustrations or those daily concerns or whatever it might be, do we bring those things to him? God doesn't want us to be, if anybody is distant in the relationship between us and God, it's us. Because God is always close. He is always near. He is always listening, wanting you to cry out to him. And so what's the thing you've been struggling with, frustrated with, dealing with, confused about, whatever that might be, in whatever aspect of your life, allow yourself to cry out to the God who wants to hear you, who's listening for you, who wants you to cry out to him. So he's a God who listens. He's a God who hears us. The second thing we're going to see about God is that God will get your attention. He wants you to hear him. As much as God is hearing and listening for us, he wants us to also be hearing him, listening for him. We are busy people with phones in front of us and our faces are almost constantly within them. Our attention is always engaged and many times we are just having a nonstop diet of distractions. I mean, how many times have we had to say to somebody two or three times, say their name in order to get their attention? Who's ever had to do that with somebody, right? But then at the same time, how many times has somebody had to say our name three or four times to get our attention? We are all guilty of this. Well, Moses didn't have a phone distracting him, but nevertheless, God wanted to get his attention. It says in chapter 3, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. He looked, and behold, the bush was burning, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I will turn aside to see this great sight, why the bush is not burned. Um, about a month ago, or last month, I was in Israel with a group of college students. And there was one point in our trip when we were in Jerusalem where we had to walk about a mile, mile and a half to get back to our hotel. Just kind of weird circumstances. I can tell you about that later. But we were walking, and it was, you know, there's like 20, 25 of us, and we're kind of all like in this caravan going through these crowds. And um, people were kind of stopping to go into shops and different things like that, which is fine. But me and a couple of the students were in the front, and we said, hey, we're going to keep going. And no one really knew where they were at. It was just stay on this road and you'll eventually get to our hotel. So I kept taking pictures of like landmarks. Hey, if you see this, you're on the right way. Hey, if you see this, and you're on the right way. And at one point, randomly, we came by this big thing of garbage that was burning. And so I put this in our WhatsApp group. If you see this pile of garbage burning, you're in the right spot. Again, totally random. But about 15 minutes later, somebody texts back, hey, that's a horrible landmark. The fire went out. Where, or how do we know we're in the right spot? Of which I'm like, do you smell fire? Um, because what, that's what happens, right? Fires go out. We all looked at it. I mean, how do you not walk down the street, see that, and go, whoa, fire, right? I don't care if you're not even a pyro a little bit. That's going to take your attention. But then it's like, oh, we're going to keep going because that fire is burning. How long do you have to, does it take to realize that a fire is burning but not going out? I mean, think about that. Moses is working. He's working the flock. It's his father-in-law's flock, so that's a little bit of added stress. And he's, ooh, fire. Kind of looks over. You know, he's a guy, fire, ooh, fire, you know. Goes back, starts working a little bit more. 
Fire. At some point, this wasn't just a fire burning. This was a fire burning and not going out. This kind of maybe ordinary occurrence became something extraordinary. It became more of a special moment than just an ordinary moment. And it says, it says I'm going to go over and see this great sight. This, went, this transformed to just something he saw to a great sight that was unique and unusual. God had gotten Moses' attention. It says in verse 4, When the Lord saw that Moses turned to see, God, at, at the point that Moses turned to see, not just, ooh, fire, but, whoa, there's something different here. At that point, once God had his attention, the Lord saw that, the, that Moses turned and saw, God called to him out of the bush, Moses, Moses, and he said, here am I. Then he said, then God said, do not come near, take your sandals off your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. And he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. God comes near. God calls out to Moses. And listen, look at the three things that God does here with Moses. God calls out to him. God is the one initiating this dialogue. God was the one that made this happen. This had nothing to do with Moses or anything that he did or anything that he accomplished or anything about who he was. God initiated this. This is happening because of God. God guided Moses. Change how you're using your feet, Moses, because this is not ordinary ground you're standing on. This is holy ground, and so you need to act accordingly. Respect the reality of who I am and who you are and the fact that you are in my presence. He guided Moses, and then he revealed himself to Moses. I am the God of your father-in-law. I'm the God of your ancestors. I am the God that you follow and that gives you identity. That is part of the promises that you have heard and you know. Moses probably went out thinking that this was going to be an ordinary day of work with these ordinary old sheep. But God transformed this ordinary moment into a holy moment. Now, this was a special moment for Moses. We don't see anyone else experiencing a burning tree like this or anything like that. But what we do know from Scripture is that God is constantly trying to get our attention as well. He is hearing us. He wants us to call out to him. But God wants you to listen to him as well. God wants your attention. God is trying to get you to listen as much as he's listening to you. He, got, he initiates, but he wants us to know he is present and working. And how does God do that? Well, Scripture tells us that he speaks to us through the Holy Spirit. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit within you, and the Holy Spirit speaks to us and prompts us and helps us and reveals to us, helps us remember the reality of who God is, John 14 tells us. God speaks to us through his word, through Scripture. The Bible is alive and active, cutting to the very marrow of who we are. It will penetrate our hearts and our minds and reveal to us the reality of who God is. I heard a pastor say one time, if you want to hear the audible voice of God, then read the Bible out loud because it's through his word that he is speaking to us. He speaks to us through others. 
The fact that the people that you interact with, you have friends, you have connections of people that love Jesus who are going to speak into your life and their ordinary words become holy words because they're reminding you of who you are, reminding you of who God is and the life that he has given us. God speaks to us through creation. Uh, Psalms 19, I'm going to read this one. The heavens proclaim the glory of God. The skies display his craftsmanship. Day after day, they continue to speak. Night after night, they make him known. We walk at different times, whether it's in nature or in the city. When we look in the stars or you're by the lake, or we, we, you've had those moments when you realize the reality that there is more to this world than just who I am. And God speaks into our hearts and reveals himself to us. He speaks to us through creation, and he speaks to us through the ordinary moments. Ephesians 1 says, I pray that your hearts will be flooded with light so that you can understand the confident hope he has given to those he called, his holy people who are his rich and glorious inheritance. Excuse me. I, re I read that verse for ordinary moments, for the prayer that God would flood our hearts with life so that we can understand the hope we have in him. And that's all the time. May we have the light to see God working and speaking and within our, that we are in his presence all the time. Pastor Schuyler Spradlin says this, Don't believe that God only works through the spectacular. Instead, realize it is spectacular that God is with us in ordinary moments of every day. And so usually, it's so, many times, it's just the walking to the train. It's reading a book. It's having conversation with somebody. It's in this something, doing dishes, doing something. We have these moments where God prompts our hearts and encourages us and speaks to us. God wants you to hear him, to know him, to be aware of his presence. He's not going to speak to you audibly the way that he did to the prophets. And you can't go and say, please don't go set a tree on fire and say, okay, God, I'm calling. That's not how it works. But when you read the Bible, you read his words. And something is going to stick out. A friend will say ordinary words to you. And like I said, sometimes those become holy words. You'll be watching a movie. A scene will prompt your heart. You'll walk by the lake or the street or in the woods, and a truth will come that you needed to be reminded of or a person that you need to connect with. Something will be guiding you. It says in John 10, My sheep will hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. Psalm 16, 8 says, I will keep my eyes always on the Lord. With him at my right hand, I will not be shaken. God wants you to hear from him. So the two questions you need to ask yourself, I need to ask myself when we think about this, are this. Are you trying to hear him? And are you able to hear him? Are you trying to hear God? Are you listening? Are you aware of his presence? Again, it doesn't mean we're going to hear an audible voice. We don't have to set trees on fire. But are we trying to hear from God? Are you reading your Bible? That's like as low-hanging fruit as it can get. You cannot complain that you never hear from God if you're never reading your Bible because he has made his word, he has made his voice constantly available to us in Scripture. Are you able to hear him? Do we have so many distractions in our life, so many just nonstop, all the noise that we can't hear from him? I would say sometimes we can get so hectic, so nonstop, that we never just stop. That God got Moses to stop with this burning bush. You can initiate just stopping. And I know, trust me, I know the busyness of life. And sometimes it takes some creativity, 
Sometimes it just takes some honest initiative. You know what? I'm going to wake up a little bit earlier. I'm going to do this during my lunch break. I'm going to do this. I'm going to not watch the show till a little bit later. And having just a time of the day where it's just you and God, and I'm going to stop, and I'm going to read the word, and I'm going to pray, and I'm just going to be in the presence of God. If we're not doing things like that, then probably our life is full of too many distractions. God wants you to hear from him, and he's going to get your attention. Listen for him. The last thing that we see in this story today, so we, God, God wants us to, God hears, he wants us to cry out to him, God will get our attention. He wants us to hear him. And then the last thing is that God calls. We are meant to be part of what he is doing in the world. God calls us. It says in chapter 3, verse 7, again, remember, everybody in Egypt, all the Israelites in Egypt, all the Hebrews in Egypt are suffering. They're in a horrible situation. They're in slavery. Moses has escaped that. He's out in the burbs, just kind of living the good life with his flock of sheep and no having the difficulties or anything like that. And God is speaking to him. Okay, I, I've, heard my cry, I've heard their cry, Moses. Let me tell you what I'm going to do. He says in verse 7, Then the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people who are in Egypt and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters. I know their suffering, and I have come down to deliver them out of the hands of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land to a good and broad land, a land flowing of milk and honey to the place of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Berezilites, the Hiz- and all these other people. And now, behold, the cries of the people of Israel has come to me, and I have also seen the oppression with which the e- Egyptians oppressed them. You can hear some of those words from the end of chapter 2 there, right? Seen, heard, know, that type of a thing. I'm sure hearing God say this, that is super encouraging to Moses. Albeit a little bit terrifying to hear God speaking out of a bush, but hearing God say, I've heard them. I'm going to do something. You can hear Moses going, yes. And God repeats some of these words. And then he says, I'm coming down to rescue them and to deliver them from a new land. Moses, yes. And then God says in verse 10, Come, I'm going to send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And you can just hear Moses go, uh, what? I thought you were going to go do something, God. No, 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 no. I'm sending you to go do this. Uh, I think that the bush is a, a bad connection. Uh, there's something going on here. Did you, what did you say? It's a little, I'm sending you. God, can't you just snap your fingers? Can't you just make the evil not exist? Can't you do this on your own? Why do you need me? Again, bad connection? No, Moses, I'm sending you. There's a couple things that we need to understand about the reality of God within this. Again, God didn't choose to use Moses or any of us because he needs us, but because he wants us. And he wants us to be part of what he's doing in the world. And amongst a lot of other things, there's, again, two really important truths that go along with that. One is that God has given humanity the ability to make choices. He has given us free will. He is holy. He is perfectly good. And like the holy ground and and Moses' shoes, he wants us to respect that reality, to pattern our lives after holiness. He says, follow me. Or don't follow me. But if you're following me, it's holy ground that we walk on. 
and you follow me accordingly. Again, let's clarify. He's not saying, follow me or I'm going to smite you in judgment for making the wrong decision. He's saying, following me leads to life, not following me leads to death. That's where each path leads. If you walk away from me, I'm not smiting you for doing that. That's where you're heading. That's a path of destruction. That's a path of judgment. That's a path of destruction. That's not the path you want to walk down. You don't have to go with me, but just know that that's the destination where that one goes. To freely to be able to make a holy choice, you have to allow people to make an unholy choice. And God doesn't snap his fingers to take away people's ability to choose. Even someone like Pharaoh, where the consequences of their decisions can infect an entire nation. God allows humanity to make decisions. But God has always, along with that second thing, God has always chosen to use humanity to be his representatives. Always. God wants his nation to be a blessing to other nations, to share his goodness, his graciousness, his blessing. He wants his followers to be salt and light, he says in the Gospels, to be ministers of reconciliation, it says in the New Testament. He wants his people to show others who he is and share about the truth of who he is. If people would just do the life that God guides us in, there wouldn't be any of the problems that we have. I think that's the basic reality that our world either isn't aware of or misses is if we would just do what God says, most of the problems would be gone. But we don't, and that's why we see ourselves in the situation that we do within this world. It isn't because God has dropped the ball or fallen asleep. It's because he lets people reject him, do their own thing, and then unfortunately what happens is they blame God for all the problems and the damages that come from their, their situations. But God has always used broken, reluctant people to be his representatives, to speak into that world, to say, God has a better way. God has this for us. God has a better way to live, a get, better way to be. He has a world of hope and joy and peace and understanding that we can embrace and purpose if we would just trust him and follow him. God could just make burning bushes everywhere for everybody and speak through them. But he chooses not to do that. He chooses to use people like you and I to do that. We would much probably rather have the burning bushes because that's just cool. But God has chosen to use people like you and I. Many times reluctant, always broken, and constantly prone to wandering and messing up. Moses is just like us. God calls him. And then Moses starts making excuses. Peter N. summarizes Moses' excuses to avoid God's call. And, here, and these are also our excuses. First, we avoid God's call because we doubt ourselves. We avoid God's call because we doubt ourselves. In 3.11, Moses said, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? Moses had mistakes in his past. He had failures in his past. I'm not cut out to do this, God. Who am I to go and do this for you? Many times we avoid God's call because we doubt our own stories. We avoid God's call because of what others will think about who we are. In verse 13, Moses said to God, If I come to the people of Israel and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me, and they ask, who is, What is his name? What shall I say? Moses is saying, I'm going to go tell people about you, 
But what if they don't know or believe or accept anything I say about you? Moses was thinking more about what, how others would perceive him than he was worried that they need to hear the message of God. He was more worried, are people going to reject me? Are people not going to want to hear me? Then people need to hear this whether they want to hear it or not. He's more concerned about what people are going to think of him. Third, we avoid God's call because of what others will think about what we have to say. It says in chapter 4, verse 1, Behold, they are not going to believe me or listen to my voice, for they will say, The Lord did not appear to you. They're going to reject my words. They're going to criticize what I'm saying. They're going to ask questions I don't know the answers to. They're going to debate me. They're going to doubt me. They're going to say I'm lying. They're not going to believe what I'm going to say. Again, Moses is more concerned how people are going to hear him than the fact he needs to say this so people can hear the message. We avoid God's call because of our abilities. He says in chapter 4, verse 10, O Lord, my God, I am not eloquent, either in the past or since you have spoken to your servant, for I am slow of speech and tongue. I mean, Moses' excuse was, I don't speak so good. We have all kinds of excuses where we minimize or doubt our abilities, especially when we compare ourselves to others. And last, Moses avoided God's call. We avoid God's call because we think somebody else would do a better job. It says in 4.13, O Lord, please send somebody else. Obviously, of all the people in the world, you could pick somebody else to do this who would do this way better than me. Why would you want me to do it? We make all of these same excuses. Who am I? People are going to reject me. People aren't going to want to hear this. I, I can't. I don't have the abilities to join God. Can't he get somebody else to do it? Isn't that why he has pastors? And we put all the excuses out there rather than joining God in what he's doing. And how does God respond to Moses? Because it's the same response to us. First, God reminds Moses who he is. God said to him, I am who I am. And he said, say to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. God also said to Moses, say this to the people of Israel, the Lord, the God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, he sent me to you. Remember who we're talking about here, Moses. Remember, this. stop focusing on where I'm sending you and remember, I'm the one sending you. I'm going with you. God, creator God of everything, is walking with you. Focus on that. Remember who I am and remember you're my people. God gives, reminds Moses who he is. God gives Moses supernatural evidence for God. He tells him, throw down your staff and it turns into a snake. Put your hand into your cloak and it gets infected with disease and he does it again and it's healed. He takes water out of the Nile, he pours it and it gets, becomes blood. When people doubt you, show them these supernatural things and they will believe what you're saying. Now that does seem a little bit unfair, right? We may be thinking, hey, Moses gets the best tricks that would convince anyone. I don't have these supernatural gifts. I mean, they're, they're giving me socks at church. Moses got the ability to throw a staff down and turns into a snake. Big difference between these two things. But I would argue God has given you supernatural evidence. If you are a follower of Jesus, God has given you supernatural evidence for who he is. And you know what that is? It's your transformed life. Because if you know the truth of the gospel, that you once were a person bound by the reality of sin, 
that you knew the consequences of that, what it meant for your life, the hopelessness being apart from God, that even though you try everything you can to make it work, and even you can make it awesome, it still isn't as good as what God can give. And you realize, I can't do this on my own. I need something beyond myself. You learn the reality of who Jesus is, that he went to the cross to die for our sins so that we can be forgiven, that we can be healed, that we can be brought into relationship with God. He makes us new. He forgives us. He gives us grace. He gives us mercy. He gives us a new life, one of peace and hope and joy and purpose. He radically changes us into new people, into sons and daughters of God with a mission and a hope and a purpose. If that's your story and you know that's your story, that is supernatural evidence that there is a God because you know you once were like this, but now you're like this. I used to be like this, but thank God for what he's done because now this is who I am. Don't doubt your testimony because it's not about what you've done. It's about what God has done in your life. You have the same supernatural evidence than Moses did. And the last thing that God, how God responds to Moses is he gets frustrated with him. Then the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. We're five excuses in at this point. And at five excuses in, God says, okay, enough. As a parent, I appreciate that. <laughs> There's a little baby. He, he waited till five when it kind of was like, oh, Moses. But there's a reality to that. There's a reality to somebody going, are you trusting God or not? Do you know who you're talking about? Do you believe the truth of the gospel? Are you a child of God or not? Because sometimes we keep going, we get into a cycle of doubt, a cycle of fear, a cycle of timidity. We get a cycle of cowering and not being part of what God is doing, not being the, the people that he's called us to do. And the appropriate response to that at some point is to go, stop it. Stop it. There's times when my kids... They're not here today. They chose not to get here, so I get to use them as an illustration. There's times with my kids where it's like, hey, you need to do this. 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 You need to do this. Why do you got to yell? Well, I didn't the first four times. I had to do it this way because the first four times didn't get your attention. I think that sometimes with God, it's, what are you doing? Why are you getting angry? Because you haven't been listening. His love never changes. His love never ceases. But a loving God can get frustrated with us. And I have to ask myself, am I truly struggling with something? Or is that eternal junior higher in me just not being the person I'm supposed to be? Am I just not doing it? Am I just not being obedient? And God wants me to because he knows I'm missing out on being part of what he's doing. God is calling every single one of us to show Jesus and the holiness of God and how we live our lives and calling us to intentionally tell others about him. While the Hebrews were in Egypt, suffering and crying out, Moses was away from all of it, tending flocks. God wanted Moses to stop shepherding the sheep and start shepherding the people, to get into the situation, to get into the thick of it, to be part of where people are at and bring the truth of who God is there. Most of us are not, again, some maybe, but most of us are not in the midst of a huge, difficult, suffering situation. We can be outside of those things. 
We're reading about things in the news or in alerts, not actually experiencing them in our own lives. We are Moses in the safety of our own sheep. And I think about all the different New Life locations and the neighborhoods where they are in. We are one of the ones that are outside in the safety of our own sheep. And the reality is, is that it's time for us to accept God's call to get involved and be a part of what he's doing. It's time to step it up in who we are and what we're doing with him. That we, am I actually telling people about Jesus? Am I actually living a Jesus life at work, at school, in my neighborhood? Am I actually going to places where there's needs and being part of those things? You can't do everything, and it'll be overwhelming in your tribe, but you can be part of one thing. And so what is that? So for some of of us, it's to accept God's call to get involved and be a part of a church, to be part of building relationships, part part of being part of this place, not just coming and sitting in a pew and leaving, but being part of what makes this place what it is. To, to say, this isn't your, and I always know where people are at and how they refer to the church when they talk to me. Well, yeah, at your church, Bobby, or yeah, at the church is different than when people say, hey, at our church, are you talking about this place with ours and us's or is it they and them? Because if, are you distant? Or is this something that you take ownership of? For some of us, you need to step it up and start letting this be the place where you are growing in Jesus, building relationships, and being part of what God is doing. It's time for some of us to accept God's call to get involved in what he is doing in this city. Yes, we need people to be part of what's happening in our Sunday services, whether it's greeting people or tech or kids, and all of them need help right now. But that is for one small part of an hour on Sunday. In the rest of our days and the rest of our weeks, there is so much happening not only in this neighborhood, but in this city. And we need to be a part of making it better. We need to be a part of making situations better, where the people of God are coming in, being people of peace and peacemakers, like we just talked about a couple weeks ago, and helping make situations experience the love of God. Maybe that's getting involved in New Life Centers. Maybe that's getting involved in another organization. But doing something to be a part of making the city better for the kingdom of God. And for some of us, it's time to accept God's call to show and tell people the good news about Jesus. Are those closest with you, do they know that you love Jesus? Again, not that you have to stop and call, hey, can I get everybody in the lunchroom for lunch? I just want to talk, talk to everybody and have a meeting. You don't have to do that. But do people know that your faith is central to who you are? Not just something they might hear about, about you at one point. God wants you to be his representative. God wants you to let other people know who he is. And you have a story to tell if God has saved you. It's time to start telling your story. It's time to start telling his story. It's time to start making him known. We, ha- we don't get a lot of baptisms every year. Last year, we had four or five. The year before that, we had two. I think the year before that, we might have had, I have to go look, maybe three or four, but it's always around three to five. Is part of that because we're not sharing Jesus enough? Is part of that because we're not telling people about Jesus? Because that's our job. That's what we're supposed to be doing. And that doesn't mean bring them to church so I can tell them. It's 
that even though that is an acceptable option, but outside of Sundays, do people know that you love Jesus? Do they see that? Do they experience that? Are you telling somebody about that? Because God is calling us to be a part of what he's doing. And part of what he's doing is drawing people to himself so that they can know the life that he's given you. God is calling you. He is a God that hears. He is a God that wants us to hear him. And he is God that calls us to be a part of what he's doing. Know that God wants you. You are wanted by God. You are wanted by him. He wants to be in relationship with you. He wants to be all of your life so that your life can be what it was meant to be. He wants you to be a part of what he is doing in this world. And the things, the job that he has you at is a holy place because he is with you and it's holy ground because you get to share him with others. The classroom you're in, the building you're in, that is holy ground because God is with you and he wants to show and share himself through you with the people in those places. So call out to him, listen to him, and allow him to use you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. We thank you for your love for us. We thank you, God, that you aren't distant, but that you're near. We thank you, God, that you hear us. We thank you, God, that you use reluctant, broken, messed up people like us. God, forgive us for the times when we don't represent you well, when we forget to represent you well. God, forgive us for the times we avoid representing you. God, help us to be people that shine your light, that show how amazing you are, and that people would want to live for you as well. It's in your name we pray, amen. Uh, would you stand with me? We're going to close with one last song.